movies at this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to the Jedi Jargon Podcast. This is episode 14. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through LEGO Star Wars. And this right here is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. Jeff, how you doing this week, man? I think I'm in love. That's Ooh. how I'm doing. I think I'm in love this week. Love is in the air? It? it is. It's in the air with a, a beautiful Mandalorian woman. Ooh. By the name of Bo-Katan Kreese. I'm in love. She's here, man. Finally, we get to see Bo-Katan in live action. And boy, was she good. She brought the goods. She brought the guns. She was badass, man. Just like she was in Clone Wars and in Rebels. Um, I was so happy. And furthermore, my God, did her armor translate well to live action. It sure did. You look at some of the stills. Oh, my God, man. It looks like it was taken right out of the uh, Clone Wars series. It really it really did. And that, you know, once again, once again, the makers of The Mandalorian uh, give me something that I didn't know that I needed. I mean, Katie Sackhoff, she was great in The Clone Wars. She was great in Rebels. I loved that they brought her back to play Bo-Katan in live action. So let's get right into it. Uh, Jeff, you want to take us away on the um... summary for Thank the heiress? Absolutely. The for. Yep, summary for the heiress. And, yeah. and you know, listen, gu- listen, guys, we didn't, um, we didn't sound the spoiler klaxon. Uh, I guess we forgot to carve that out in the beginning. But just, just so you know, going forward, everything from this point on, and really from the beginning of the episode too, will contain spoilers for episode fourteen of the Mandalorian. The heiress. So let's get right into our breakdown of the episode. We'll talk about Easter eggs. We'll talk about plot points, things we like, things we didn't like, and we'll just have a good time doing it. All right. So first thing that I noticed was the introduction, uh, kind of like the what's you know what what you've missed, what happened last week on the Mandalorian. Uh, it referenced the removal of helmets, which is going to come back later. Um, I believe it was the armor that they were showing, talking about you know, re- removing removing your helmets, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and again, that will be a major point of this episode as well. So, Jeff, I'll throw it to you uh, for the summary. This week's summary and recap. Uh, and yes, uh, to kind of piggyback on your point, all of the recaps have a purpose and... I know I will never skip them because they kind of are like hints at what's to come in the episode. Um, And I really appreciate that. The Razor Crest is on its last legs after uh, we saw it last week. uh, I actually noticed, so so about that. So as it's coming in to Trask, the planet that uh, the Mandalorian is taking the Frog Lady to, I noticed that it is depressurized. If you recall from last week's episode... Um, they couldn't pressurize the entire ship, so they all went to the cabin, right? So as it's coming into Trask and it's coming through the atmosphere, it's burning up, which we typically don't see in Star Wars. The only other time that I I can remember uh, that we've seen something like this was uh, Grievous's capital ship in Revenge of the Sith. It is depressurized, it's basically cut in half, and when it's coming in for another happy landing, it's basically burning up for that reason, uh, which I thought was really cool 
um, because again, right. we don't we don't see ships typically burning up uh, upon reentry. And the cinematography in this in this scene as well uh, is a tribute. I found out and was later confirmed uh, to Ron Howard's Apollo 13 because Bryce Dallas Howard uh, was directing this episode and wanted to make a make a tribute to Ron. Um, really great, like shot for shot of it coming through the atmosphere and burning up and all that. I thought that was wicked cool. And I also one more thing I noticed was that yeah. the um, you can see yeah go ahead yeah sure. Uh, you can see the side by sides that people have posted all over Star Wars Twitter. By the way, right, right, and she confirmed it, oh, and that it was shot. it was great, and I loved it. Uh, the nerd in me, I mean, we're all nerds, but you know, a little the little heightened nerd in me <laughs> noticed uh, on the that's display. Why that's why yeah. I'm. That's why I'm here. Uh, I noticed on the display of the Razor Crest um, <laughs> when it talked about. Well, you, I mean, you wouldn't almost you read it, but uh, like the heads up display, it said uh, landing gear error. And then it also said, of course, I still love you in uh, Arbesh, which I thought was funny. I wonder who that was talking to or, or who that was meant for. A little little Easter egg for someone. Um, but anyway, please take take it away. Yes. So we see the ship struggling to get to Trask. It's on its last legs. Everyone's passed out. Uh, you know, after last week, we were all a little exhausted, even us viewers, especially you, uh, Ob. But they wake up to some alarms. They're they're approaching the atmosphere of Trask, and he's got to do it manually. Um, the ship is plunging through the atmosphere, and it starts to burn up, as Ob mentioned. And you can hear the flight control saying, "You need to slow down. You're coming in way too fast, man." Uh, but that's that just can't happen. He shuts off the communications because he's just like, yeah, it's, it's not happening. Sorry. And he tumbles into the landing pad. It looks like he's going to make a pretty smooth landing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you we wish. See, uh, we see a Mon Calamari dock worker looking up at the Razor. Which, by the way, okay. which, by cool. the way, can we can we for a second? Uh, I just need to point out that cable knit sweaters are now canon in the Star Wars universe. And that's great. And that is uh, great. And Chris Evans and must have really enjoyed, uh, must really must have enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I know, for real. So the ship is right over the landing pad, right? And what's funny about this moment, uh, I figured that he was about to make a pretty smooth landing onto the landing pad and the on the dock. So I actually paused there and went to the bathroom on my first viewing. And uh, I was like, yeah, uh, I was watching my brother. Uh, Tyler, I'm just going to go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. And uh, hit resume. <laughs> it crashes into the water. He completely misses, of course. That um, was so funny. Presumably because the <laughs> be- presumably because the uh, poor ship is just completely out of, out of juice and uh, couldn't even nail the landing. Right. So a giant walker crane actually. Which well, that, uh, that was really cool, shot, too. That was like a, cool. it was yeah. like a, a repurposed imperial walker. Right, uh, yeah, and you see it like walking along, and then you can see that it has a crane, which is interesting because you know in in the real world there are you know cranes are very typical to be you know by the ocean to to lift up, um, you know, shipping containers off of off of ships and whatnot. Um, this one's like walking and moving, and it was it's so cool. It looked like a like a walker from the from the you know the middle to the bottom, um, and I think the only other time we've seen them in the canon would have been during the opening shots of Solo, if I'm not mistaken. On Corellia, I think they might have they might have been used in Rebels at one point um, in one of those episodes where they were fighting on a mine, um, maybe. But 
I'm not actually too sure on that. Right. Because it looks familiar mm-hmm. when I look when I look at the uh, I'm looking at the screen cap right now from that scene. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really cool. Again, uh, Favreau and Filoni just layering in so many familiar um, things with even the you know machinery of the man of uh, this program. So the crane takes it up and out of the water, puts it onto the landing pad that he uh, hilariously missed, and he pays this uh, the Mon Calamari that we saw nodding in disappointment, um, shaking his head in disappointment rather. Uh, <laughs> he actually pays him to fix up the ship. Right. Uh, and in a few words, or maybe even, you know, a nod or two, he says it really can't be fixed. But he gives him the money anyways, you know. Yeah, he's like, he, out of here, so he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll fill it up, you know, if it can hold any gas or whatever, you know, whatever the, the, uh, the fuel would be, if it can hold any fuel. I thought that was funny. And then I also, right after that moment, uh, first of all, we, we get to see that Frog Lady is reunited with her husband, which is probably the most romantic moment in all of Star Wars history, I'm sorry, Anakin and Padme. I'm I'm sorry, you know, Leia and Han. I'm sorry, Ray and Ben. But this just takes the cake. You're not wrong. There's an argument to be made, and and I'm making it. Know, uh, I, I, I'm making it. You know, <laughs> so there's so there's it that. Was, it, w- it was like uh, a really cute moment, though. Like in all honesty, like the music kind of swelled up a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, shout out to Ludwig Gorenson for that. It, Seriously. It, yeah. Yeah, it was it. I think that was lovely. A nice little, nice little bow to that whole little side quest subplot action. Uh, furthermore, Trask. Can we just talk about Trask for a second? To me, it sure. it was like Gloucester, Massachusetts in space. Oh my gosh, you're not wrong, man. You know what you're I not mean? Wrong. We already have a mass hole in uh, the Star Wars universe. In yeah, Burr. for sure. Um, no, uh, dude, it, it's canon. <laughs> no, mass holes are canon. Planet. Right. Uh, for those of you that aren't from New England, uh, Gloucester is one of the, the foremost shipping towns uh, in New England. It has a long history of uh, shipping, I should say fishing, uh, fishing and whaling. Um, so that's, you know, when I got that whole maritime vibe, I, I love that about Trask. And it just really made me think of Gloucester, made me think of Cape Cod, you know, all, all Manchester that. Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yep. Um, uh, interestingly enough, we also see the the corn and and the Mon Calamari are once again inhabiting the same place. Though unlike in the Clone Wars, this time they tend uh, to appear to be at peace, which is which is good. You know, good to see those guys putting their past behind some, them. You know, relative coexistence. Maybe not. Right. You know, they may not love each other or whatever. Right. Right. And then Mando. Mando again here. Such a dad. Such a dad. He says to the child, "You know, I know you're hungry. We'll get you something to eat." It's like, oh man, just get me right. It's like the li- the little things, a little attention to detail that just really pull at the heartstrings. Just like it's it's the simple stuff. It really is. It really is. And after he you know reassures the kid that he'll get fed sooner or later, he asks the frog husband where, uh, as he was promised, where he could find more others of his kind, other Mandalorians. Right, and then right after that, them, yeah. just right after that they shot, go, yeah, we also ahead. see uh, Sasha Banks looking onward like we saw her in the trailer. And I know, I think you and I talked about this on the pod a couple times. Uh, we all thought that was going to be someone like um, Sabine Wren. else. Sabine yeah. Wren or someone else. And, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but it wasn't. It wasn't someone else. It was just, you know... Another character, and they knew what they were doing. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was a bit. Of, it was a bit of misdirect there, but that's okay. We got a lot of other stuff in this episode that really makes it not even matter at all. So anyway, so um, 
the Mandalorian takes the child and they they follow where the Frogman said to go and right on. And we only see the hooded Sasha Banks for a few seconds. Uh, and after seemingly he notices her from across the crowd, she disappears. So they head into the nearby inn where he actually orders the child a uh, some chowder. And yeah, he's like, sure, pours nice. into the little bowl for the kid. No. Nice to hear that chowder and, uh, is also canonical. I, again, yes, more uh, New England uh, stuff here. I guess you could say. <laughs> Big New England vibes. But um, New England vibes, yes. So uh, the chowder is disgusting, by the way. Uh, it's got like seemingly some sort of living creature inside of it. And but it attaches to the kid's face. Yeah, that was like a big alien reference. Um, right. But I think it was really cool how they had the little chowder dispenser come down from the ceiling. I don't think we've seen anything like that before. Um, that's what I, something I love about The Mandalorian is it just does a lot in terms of world building. I remember last season, I think we talked about how I don't think we had seen bathrooms in any live-action Star Wars. And to see the no. ref- and to see the refreshers, that was just very funny. Um, and, and this, too. I love that they're called refreshers, by the way. I know. I know. I love that. And this, too. <laughs> you know, just a little world building. You know, here's how, here's how restaurants work in Star Wars, you know? Yeah, every set feels like it's lived in. You know? <clears throat> oh, voice crack. But uh, every set feels like you could actually go there and order some food there, you know? And, you know, not to get too sidetracked here, but when I was in Galaxy's Edge over at Disneyland, it felt it had that same sort of charm. Every store, every little restaurant, they all felt like they were really lived in. And, uh, you know, say what you will about Disney Star Wars, but they're doing a damn good job of building this universe. And that's what separates Star Wars from other sci-fi fantasy franchises, especially those that tend to be, you know, futuristic and technology-based and all that. You know, you see a lot of a lot of chrome, a lot of shiny stuff, nothing that's too old, you know. And I think that's the the charm of Star Wars. It's like all of the it, it's meant to look like it took place in the past but with futuristic technology. You know, like every time that every time that you know, they go into, the, any character goes into, like, a restaurant. It's meant to resemble, you know, an old cantina or an old inn or an old um, tavern, you know. And you don't see that in a lot of other sci-fi-based stuff. It's all very futuristic. And th- that's what makes... It's very, it's, they're, all, they're all very, like, clean. They're kind of, uh, what's the word, sterile. You know? Right. It's like that episode of SpongeBob where they go into the future and everything's made of chrome. Exactly. Right. Everything in the Mandalorian's dirty, you know. It right. feels like it. Right. F- it feels like a grimy little section of Gloucester, like you said. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. Yeah, I, I'll take that. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a compliment for uh, to Gloucester. No, uh, no, no harm meant. So yeah, we yeah. see that's that the uh, the Mon Calamari is talking to some of the Corrin, and he says, "Oh, I have a Mandalorian over here." You know, blah 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 comes back you know there were others with beskar that came through here so then the corn take mando and the child out on a on a bit of a fishing expedition <laughs> to find the other mandalorians yeah. and this was a fun scene too you know we hear the uh a mandalorian theme come in that we saw uh, that we heard pardon me uh, that you typically hear when they're just starting out on their quest in any given episode you know like when uh, quill and, and mando were 
were riding on the dewbacks across the desert, or when Mando and the uh, and that you know that 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 gunslinger kid whose name I can't remember uh, were setting off across the desert to find the bounty hunter. You know, it's very much like here's the beginning of the quest. Here's the music to you know to get the head bumping, the fist pumping, you know, and the and the juices right. flowing, you know. And we thought, at least I thought, this was going to be the beginning of this week's you know adventure. And they used that musical device to trick us a little bit, to trick us a little bit into a false sense of security because right. and also more on that like a little uh as you call it what is it light motif yeah uh, light motif exactly the music term uh it had kind of a nautical vibe to it i have to say uh, i really like that it was kind of like a little bit of a pirates of the caribbean twist on yeah the right Lorian theme right uh, and, it, and it worked really well yeah i i agree i agree and they and the writers of this episode really lulled you again into a false sense of security when one of the corn says to Mando, has your kid ever seen a mama core or whatever? And we're thinking, oh, you know, it's like the two guys on the mission together making small talk and being friendly, okay? And then after the doors open up, I'm like, oh, I don't like where this is going. And then he pushes the child in. I'm like, oh, this is very bad, quite bad. Yeah, I knew something. I knew something was up when the uh, Corin was like, "I'll bring the kid in closer. You want him to see how these things, uh, how these things work. He'll be really interested." Yeah, it's like, no, he won't. (laughs) (laughs) There's no railing. What do you mean? Right, right. (laughs) But dude, Mando didn't even hesitate though. He just jumps right in after the child. Right, and you know, while he was a little bit maybe begin to trust the corn like he didn't hesitate like you said uh he jumped right in he didn't wait at all uh the mouth of the mama core uh it engulfs the child and then we see mando dive in head first right away without any hesitation right and, and mind you and the i corn didn't actually close the doors by the way but right they did they did and mind you i didn't think that there was any real danger here you know, it was more like, oh, those smug bastards, you know, double-crossing them, Dinjarin. Right. You know? So I, I never thought there was any real threat, but it's like, oh, these jerks. Because it's, it's early in the episode, so it's like, okay, this... Right. Temporary, uh, a temporary setback. I know. Like, he's... You know? he's snuck his, he's, you know, found his... Right. Before. Right. And, and, and then we see, you know, of course, all the other corn... You know, smashing at Mando's fingers and trying to kill him and take his best scar. And that's and that's another thing. This is the second time this season, actually the third time that Mando has been attacked for his armor. First time in the first episode in outside the or inside the the boxing ring, Uh, the beginning of the second episode uh, by that gang or what have you, and then he used the he killed the guy with the jetpack, and then now this. It seems like people really want this Beskar, and I understand why. I mean, you can deflect lightsabers with it. Uh, you can stand up to blaster bolts, you know. It just is very strong armor, and it's very rare in the galaxy. But after that, you know, after a good couple seconds of them trying to get Mando, it happens. It's looking like he might drown, too. It is looking like he might drown. <laughs> I was, I was, it was, yeah. I mean, I wasn't too concerned. I knew he was going to make it out, but it was, you know, a little hairy. Uh but then we see other Mandalorians show up and just start murking the corn. And when I tell you, when I, when I screamed, when I saw the helmet and the owl on the shoulder of 
Bo-Katan Kreese. I mean, I almost died. What were your, th- what were your right thoughts when you, when you first saw her? What were your thoughts? It took me a second to recognize the design of her helmet uh, because it was a little dark. The scene, like the the lighting, you know, the 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 um, colors of her armor, ten, you know, they kind of blended in with the the rest of the scene. I, it took me a second to decipher that, but it didn't take too long. And um, they pull him out, you know, like wait, we'll stop him. And uh, they just they deal with the corn in seconds. Uh, and Sasha Banks, her character, um, whose name is Costco Reeves. Yes, she yep. dives in after the child and manages to rescue him. Uh, his his crib is it? What what is that thing? Yeah, called? yeah, that's um, that's pretty much what it is. The crib, the crib. Okay, I don't think there's the an actual term crib, it's damaged. for it. Yeah, it's it's damaged, it's dented. You know, again to kind of worry you and stress you out for a second, but the kid's fine. Right, he's all right. Right, a little shaken up, but he's fine. And uh, they get to introducing themselves somewhat. Um, we see Bo-Katan remove her mask for the first time, and, and my did you, God, did you hear we see the her. did you hear the hissing noise when she took it off, just like Vader's helmet? Uh I, I I definitely noticed that. Yeah, that was that, that was really neat. That was really neat. Now, before we get into what happens immediately after here, let's just explain because I know not all of our viewers know who Bo Katan is because they haven't seen right. Rebels or the Clone Wars. Now, just to get into it really quick, I'll start off with saying, "What what are you doing? Go watch the Clone Wars. <laughs> Go watch Rebels. Yeah. There there's no excuse at this point. You know, I I've been seeing you the can memes. Pause this podcast right now." I mean, I mean, no, Start. no, like listen to our podcast, no, 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 you know, no, no, no. and then and then you know, be sure to like and leave a leave a review. Uh, but after you do that, after you you know do all the things, go watch the Clone Wars, go watch Rebels. You know, you can even go to Reddit and look up lists that cut out all the quote unquote filler episodes. I think you should watch them all. But if you just want to get the essence of who you know Bo Katan is and the Mandalorians and all that, do that because I I've been seeing all the memes this week of the people that have watched the Clone Wars and Rebels you know, losing their minds with this week's episode versus those who have not seen those shows and are having more of a mild reaction to seeing Bo-Katan and hearing certain names be uttered at the end of episodes, you know? And all I can say is if you want to get out of this show what you should, watch those series. For years, people have been saying, oh, I didn't watch The Clone Wars or I didn't watch Rebels because it's animated and, you know, it's a kid's show. It's like, first of all, Star Wars is a film series about space wizards intended for children, so that doesn't hold any water. But secondly, they're just good shows. They inform you on the canon. They fill in a lot of the holes. They they build the world even more. They they enrich the story. And just go watch them. Uh, But anyway... being animated is no reason to not watch something. I... Right. You know, I've got some friends who shall not be named... Uh, who I who have said that to me when I recommend watching uh, Rebels, Clone Wars, even Avatar or Korra or Into the Spider Verse, right? And like all of those properties that I those projects and properties that I just named in series and movies, they're innovative. They change the game. Yes, they're in a way intended for kids, but have stories that can reach any of us. Right. You know? So right. The way in which a story is told, whether it's animated or live action, 
shouldn't stop you from listening to it because completely you might be missing agree. out on something you might really love. I completely agree. Uh, just to provide some background into Bo-Katan for those who don't, you know, who don't know, who haven't watched Rebels in the Clone Wars. Again, what's wrong with you? But for your sake, uh, Bo-Katan is a Mandalorian uh, from Mandalore, obviously. Uh, she first appeared in the Clone Wars. I forget what season exactly. Uh, she is the sister of Duchess Satine, the pacifist ruler of Mandalore who was killed by Darth Maul. Yes, that's right. Darth Maul comes back, for those of you who haven't seen the Clone Wars. Uh, she, uh, Satine was the uh, the ex-girlfriend or what you whatever you want to call it of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know, crazy. You know, not the Jedi way or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Uh, but anyway, so Bo-Katan um, was wrapped up with Death Watch, which were a, a radical group of Mandalorians who wore the Mandalorian armor, who were trying to bring Mandalore back to its uh, militaristic ways. And Bo-Katan eventually broke with this terrorist group and, and, and fought them and tried to take back Mandalore. Uh, and she ended up actually doing so. Uh, and in the process, she... Did she get the Darksaber then, or was it later on? Uh, anyways. She, was able to see, she wasn't really able to secure the Darksaber, spoiler alert, for Rebels until later on in, Le- right. in Rebels. Right. Um, so the Darksaber and, was created yeah. by the first Mandalorian Jedi, and as we saw at the end of last season, it's a lightsaber that's black and is shaped like a sword from our universe, uh, and it is held by the individual who rules over Mandalore. So during Star Wars Rebels, Bo-Katan was trying to get the uh, the Darksaber back um, after Darth Maul had had it and after... Um, and after Pre-Vizsla. Pre-Vizsla. Yes, and after Pre-Vizsla had had it. Um, so now, you know, now that we're in Season 2 of The Mandalorian, Moff Gideon has it, and I think that's going to be a big plot point, but we'll get into that later. So anyway, so uh, Bo-Katan, former ruler of Mandalore, once and future, hopefully, ruler of Mandalore, uh, and a legend amongst fans of The Clone Wars, a creation of Dave Filoni. So Bo-Katan and her friends, her fellow Mandalorians, rescue Din Djarin and the child. She takes off her helmet, and then we get a call back to Episode 1 of this season, to the marshal and he says where'd you get that armor because right. of course Din Djarin doesn't believe that one can be a Mandalorian at the same time and, and take off their helmet he believes that to be a Mandalorian you must you know keep your helmet on in front of other living creatures at all times and to this she says and this is where yeah this is where we get an interesting explainer that you're about to go into right and to this she says you know, this armor has been in my family for three generations. And then, you know, of course, Din Djarin says, well, you take off your helmet. You are not a Mandalorian. And the guy next to her, Axe Wolves, says, uh, oh, he's one of them. <laughs> you know, he's one of them. And I kind of knew where this was going uh, when I heard that. I was very excited because up to this point, we didn't know. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot. We didn't know why. Din Djarin and the armor and the other Mandalorians on the covert kept their helmets on because we know in Rebels and Clone Wars, Mandalorians take off their helmets. We regularly see Bo-Katan and Sabine Wren and Ursa Wren and Pre Vizsla taking off their helmets on a regular basis. So I was kind of right. kind of taken aback when we saw last season, oh, they're just going to keep his helmet on the entire time? That's kind of weird. Uh, but we get an explainer for it. 
uh, because Bo-Katan says, you know, he is a child of the Watch. And I wonder if that has anything to do with, you know, being a splinter group of Death Watch. Uh, and I think I, I think probably. it probably it probably will be because she said they are a militaristic or you know uh, uh, zealous cult uh, trying to uh, that that broke away from Mandalorian society and their goal is restoring the ancient way of the Mandalore. You know this is the way the ancient way of the Mandalore. Um, and to that he was kind of like oh, you know he didn't really have a reaction. He just kind of reacted by you know got a blast. You know just shut <laughs> it away. Yeah, what of it? Yeah. <laughs> but then we see the shot of the other Mandalorians blowing up the ship when Mando's standing on the dock with the sunset. Oh, that was just chef's kiss. Just beautiful. Yeah. And that goes back to Bryce Dallas Howard's, you know, acumen as a director and the cinematography and everything. So later that day, presumably, we see the Mandalorian walking amongst the docks and we see some Quarren come up around him and surround him. And basically, you know, you killed my brother, which which was kind of a callback. You know, you killed my father. Prepare to die. You know, um, uh, yeah, again, yeah. Which was really funny. I really enjoyed that. And I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> and uh, he's surrounded, but not too worried. Again, he's gotten out of worse situations. He's got those whistling birds. He's good, probably. But again, we see Bo-Katan and her two uh, associates fly in just in the nick of time. And she actually says, uh, you know, oh, no, no, he, he didn't kill your brother. I did. And after that, they deal with the Quarren thugs within seconds. Uh, it's amazing how efficient these Mandalorians are at killing. Uh, they always mention that. They they kind of joke at that, poke fun at that whenever they're whenever he's traveling around. Like, I heard you guys are really good at killing. Uh, and it's true. They are really good at what they do. It is a pretty uh, good party trick. With guns. It's a pretty good party trick, I have to say. Um, <laughs> they put yeah, them down. That was cool. Really that was cool. It's so. like not only did the three Mandalorians, the the Night Owls, as you know, Bo-Katan's crew is called, uh, not only did they all open fire on the corn at once, but also Dinjar at the same time. Like no practice. Right. Already a member of the team. Right. So anyway, so they go from absolutely murking even more corn. Uh, back to the tavern. To kind of hanging... Yeah, they, they go back to the tavern for a bit where they discuss why they're on Trask. Where uh, Bo-Katan explains the Trask is a black market port where a lot of weapons that were plundered from Mandalore, her home planet, are being sold and sent around the galaxy. Uh, but Mando points out there that Mandalore is cursed. Why would anyone want to go back there anyways? Anyone who goes there is not... You know, dies anyway. It's cursed by war, and the Empire destroyed it. It's right, not, it's and no habitable. And Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians exchange a, a look amongst themselves of, "Oh, he thinks the moon landing was faked." Pretty much is how they looked. Right. You know, like this right. dude believes in some whack-ass conspiracy theories. Well, it it's not so far-fetched, because the Empire was really good at controlling information. Uh, as we saw, there was pretty much a complete erasure of the the Jedi culture, um, the Jedi religion. Uh, people forgot about them. They were they were eventually became what was thought to be myth. You know, the Jedi of old. They were right. forgotten in many parts of the galaxy. Right. That's, that that makes sense. Empire. That makes sense. So when Bo Katan says, you know, don't believe everything you hear, 
I think that he'll be like, oh, all right, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how he reckons with his own uh, past as a child of the watch. I'm really excited to see how they're going to deal with that and how he's going to overcome that. You know, will we see him get to take his helmet off? Will he accept that uh, and move on from it? You know, will there be a battle with the armorer? You know, what do you think? We'll see. Kind of, will he like, will he break his vows? Is that what kind of what you're saying? Like he's, um, yeah. You know, will he grow? Cause this, this whole uh, show is all about growth. You know what I mean? Right. And kind of, challenging for you know change because clearly he's a bounty uh, hole than he was at the beginning of season uh, child right and we actually saw it in the in the you know speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard the the episode that she directed in season one when he met the woman on that for he was so ready to just settle down with the kid and maybe even marry that woman and Take off. He was ready to take off his helmet before they they were attacked, right? So, yeah, I think you're onto something with that. He's a zealot, clearly. He's all in on his faith, and, right? But that might change, right? And I, and I wonder if they'll bring see, back the the ma- the uh, the armorer as a villain. You know, if he does decide to abandon the way of the Mandalore, will there be a conflict with you know between some, right? Yeah. Right. So Bo-Katan says that Mandalorians are stronger together, right? And I obviously, you know, that is a running theme in Star Wars. We heard it in The Rise of Skywalker. It's a big theme of the Rebellion versus the Empire. Uh, and, you know, possibly, I definitely is a reference back to the Mandalorian Purge. Um, and it could be looking forward as well to a potential team-up of Mandalorians to take back Mandalore. I know there are rumors that Bo-Katan might the Night Owls might get their own series. We'll see what happens there. And that's where we may see this new and emerging Star Wars TV universe morph into a sort of Game of Thrones uh, where all the different shows are connected and um, the various clans of Mandalore sort of representing the different houses of uh, Westeros, you know? Uh, be really interesting to see. For sure. Ooh, that'd be fun. It'd be like Game of Thrones in space. Yes. and right. My prediction, though, is more of a... They'll try to fit it in within the Mandalorian universe of, like, Death Watch, or the Children of the Watch, pardon me, teaming up with, you know, uh, Bo-Katan and, and the Houses of Mandalore to take it back from the Empire once again. Um, that's my prediction. But I think yours would be fun, too. So, Ahsoka... Pardon me, Ahsoka. Uh, Bo-Katan says, you know, what do you know of the Jedi? And Din says nothing, right? And I wonder, and I want to hear what your thoughts are on this, does Din Djarin think that the Jedi are synonymous with the child species? Does he know, does he think of the Jedi in the same way that, you know, um, others think of the Jedi, even as of legend? Or does he think they're all one species? That was, that's my, that was my thought. Well, he had no knowledge of the Jedi before the Armorer. Uh, informed him of what they were which were it was a very archaic description too um sorcerers that warred with mandalorians for centuries uh you know eons you know eons past as she said and 
he doesn't know anything. So like his his idea his idea is as good as guess as yours and mine, right? Like his right. grasp on what the Jedi even are. Like he could we don't know what he's thinking. He could think that they might be a species that the child hails from or a clan of sorcerers. He has no idea. He's learning as as we go through the show with him. Right, right. So then we see uh, the Mandalorians gazing at the Imperial Gazanti freighter, which first we saw in The Phantom Menace back in 99. Uh, and then the music here kind of begins to feel like it's straight out of a heist movie. And I love that. I love that Gorenson is, is, is matching the music to the mood in every way possible. And especially here... You know the beginning of the mission, the beginning of the heist, and it just feels like straight out of, straight out of like you know an Ocean's Eleven movie or something like that. That's fantastic. Yes. So they're looking on to the Gazanti freighter from the Razor Crest. They're just kind of chilling on top of it and looking out and seeing. They're kind of briefing him on what their next mission is, and he hasn't decided yet whether or not he wants to join them. But what they also did discuss i believe while they were still in the tavern was that bokatan knows a jedi right is, did they mention that yet did she mention that yet or did she is she still kind of i don't think saving she did. that no okay strike that then well no 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 what it was is like we know you just need to help us with our mission and then we'll show you i'll show you how to get to one right right so he doesn't really agree, but he doesn't disagree yet. And they're going over the mission with him. They said that there's going to be plenty of stormtroopers on board. They're going to be taking off, but taking off will be the perfect, you know, while they're taking off, will be the perfect time to hop on board using their jetpacks and take the loot, which is Mandalorian weapons taken from the purge. So he agrees. He's going to help them with their mission and taking back. Uh, what's rightfully theirs uh, from the Empire, now, did you kill remnant, whatever they are. Right. And then it cuts to a shot of the freighter taking off. And I don't know if you noticed or even appreciated just how sick that shot was with the... Oh, um, it was fantastic. Right. And it looked, it kind of looked like a plane was taking off, the way it was framed, like from behind, from the tail. And then we yeah. see the Mandalorians and their jetpacks right behind. It just Bryce Dallas Howard's just attention to detail man you know her episode three last was did she do episode three last season or whichever one she did last season same thing you know just amazing cinematography and it all starts with the director that was all after of course mando drops off the child with the frog woman and her husband uh, just to kind of be babysat while he uh, pursues this mission uh, then we see the ship take off right um, right right so they take off in their jetpacks, in hot pursuit of the freighter, and they're greeted by troopers right away. Uh, I noticed immediately, pretty much, that uh, these stormtroopers, uh, you know, maybe it was just the ones that were on, um, what was that planet from last season there? He was, uh, the planet where they, he kind of got started there, where Reef Cargo was, what was the name of the planet? Uh, never mind. But the stormtroopers that were there on board, uh, they were immediately alarmed <laughs> by the Mandalorians, of course, and they, you know, suspected they're pirates. They're pirates! Pirates! You know, they, 
they immediately alert the rest of the ship and we see uh the four of them go in right after they take care of the troopers outside there was a bit of a they, comical element to this entire sequence yeah right in the sense that like we knew like our heroes weren't really endangered but they were about to mess up some stormtroopers days right and they did they must have been attacked by over a dozen stormtroopers once they were inside and also might i add that this hallway scene right the one that you're about to get into where the mandalorians are just mowing down the stormtroopers left and right i don't know like agree or disagree but i thought that it was a bit graphic for star wars you know when bo katan just goes out one of the guys and knifes him in the throat you know we don't typically see a lot of gore in star wars and granted we didn't see anything like there was there was no blood or anything but just seeing someone like go for someone's throat like that, like yeah, I don't know, it just like I loved it. I thought it was great, but it was very <laughs> different from anything we've seen previously. <laughs> yeah, I know. It usually, well, I mean, in Clone Wars and Rebels, of course, deaths are mostly off screen uh, for the children. <laughs> but uh, we saw that uh, clear as day. Uh, but they deal with the troopers with relative ease. They're just walking through, and. As you said, there was a bit of a comedic element to this. The captain of the ship is, you know, trying to communicate with all the different troopers. We see a group of them sort of back up, and uh, you know, the the leader of that of that small group that's kind of backing up and panicking is, you know, like shut the doors, shut the doors. Which one? Which oh, that one? was you know, so all funny. That was so good. All of them. That was so good. And, all the doors. And before that, and before. <laughs> before that uh the mandalorians get pinned down right so they're pinned yeah. down in in one of the corridors and they're like we're like running out of time here we gotta like get to where we're going um but they just they just kept pushing on they kept pushing on and th- again like that like you were saying the scene of the officer and the troopers in the cargo control area it was so good so good yeah. he was such a wimp and it was so oh, funny. Really? it was yeah. so funny how Again, Bryce Dallas Howard and the writer to this episode and, and all that, they took the archetype of the Imperial officer and kind of spun it on its head for this episode. The officers you know, are always kind of soft, though. Like, well, well yeah, yeah, but, but, but they're also kind of like, I don't know, a lot of the time they're a bit more calculating and less yeah. wimpy less wimpy than than these two guys were and I, that's true and again i might be telling on myself as a as a normie fan but is it typical for us to hear imperial officers without english accents <laughs> i think again you know with, along with this theme of growth uh the star wars universe is kind of Breaking out of those archetypes mm-hmm. while also remaining familiar. And I think that's fantastic. Um, no more British accents. We don't need them. They're all different types of Imperials. We see that in comics, movies, games. Uh, they're all out now. Um, there's Black Imperials. There's Asian Imperials. There's uh, Alien Imperials. Uh, they come in all shapes and sizes. Right, because the author- they're, they're rebellion. authoritarianism knows no color. Exactly. Right. Sure. <laughs> It is, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, and then when uh, the officer and those troopers are in the cargo control area, and then the door just opens on them, they go flying out. That was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah, because the captain hailed down to them and said, like, okay, where did you leave them? Right. You trapped them. Where did you leave them? And I love that... (laughs) 
I'm sorry. It, the whole the whole sequence was just perfect. Uh, yeah. But then Bo-Katan says to uh, to Mando, I believe, you know, there's something I need if I am to rule Mandalore. And, mm, I knew it. I knew it was coming. I was hoping, you know, the freaking Darksaber, she's going for the thing. I wonder, though, if, because Mando knew that Moff Gideon had the Darksaber, right? He saw that. So I wonder did if, he? I think he did. Because, I mean, because later was the, on. Was when, the Darksaber just a post-credit scene after they left? Oh, ooh, you're right. You're right. Okay, I was gonna say because that would have created a bit of a, you know, a bit of a plot hole where it's like he knows about it and he didn't tell her because she was asking about it. But I think only we, the audience, that, saw that. I agree. You're you're right. You're right. So only we knew that. Uh, yeah. But she's going for the thing, and she changes the terms of the agreement on Mando, saying that we have to, you know, go after these guys in order for me to help you out. Uh, and it was I I, I wrote that in my notes here. I said, you know. The negotiations have changed, and uh, pray I do not change them any further. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. uh, and then she hits him with a sarcastic, this is the way. I love that. This is the way. This is the way. Yeah. You know? I love her. And, and then we, like I said, I'm in love. Katie Sackhoff <laughs> just killed it. She killed it. Absolutely killed it. Sure, uh, Moff Gideon on the hologram. Classic Star Wars villain entrance. Gideon's first entrance of the season. Um, and when I say classic Star Wars entrance, I mean... You know, the first time we saw Maul or the Emperor was through, of course. The big bad, yeah. Was, of course, through the hologram. Uh, and then, you know, as you were saying, Gideon is is inquiring into the officers, you know, how bad is it? How much of the ship have they taken? And it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, you know, and pretty sad. And uh, he, he <laughs> basically... Sad, yeah, exactly. And he pretty much says, there's nothing we can do. Like, you're at the point where you're no longer a value to me to save the weapons it's more important that nobody gets them than the mandalorians get them but what's interesting about what all everything that you just said was pretty much implied he didn't say that much and i loved uh giancarlo esposito's delivery of his lines i mean he's he's one of my favorite actors he was fantastic as the antagonist in breaking bad and he's gonna be great here we haven't seen much of him but he's gonna be great but he doesn't say that much all he says is you know what to do lung with the empire and that long, long live the empire. dude, that long live the empire, it was dripping with venom from both sides. It's fantastic, though. It was. Now, here's a question: When the officer goes to shoot those two, uh, those two <laughs> jerks, right? All of a sudden, first of all, it was pretty funny. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty funny. Just the, just the whole, the whole. Thing. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, okay, yeah, get out of here. All right, whatever. <laughs> but I, I've watched that probably about twenty times. I've like gone back and rewatched it. The, the, not the whole episode, just that, that specific moment. Would those shots have really been fatal? I don't know. I don't know. I you wonder. Know, they, they, they served a purpose. I mean, we knew what he was going to do. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. And they're not going to they're not gonna show headshots. And, yeah, yeah, that's really, that's I mean. true. This, this isn't a... Uh, well, this isn't, <laughs> this yeah, isn't this TVMA. Isn't, yeah. yeah, it's not Once Upon a Time on Tatooine. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the day, though, when uh, Quentin Tarantino gets gets a hold of Star Wars. I mean, oh for the God. longest time, he's wanted to do Star Trek, uh, sidetracking a bit, but mm. I I can only imagine. I don't know if so, Disney would yeah. be all you know excited oh, about no. blood and gore, but I think they could no. rein him in. I bet they could rein him in. So so yeah. Mando here though with the clutch play. So our heroes are basically trapped. Uh, the the Imperial officer is plunging. The Gazanti freighter into the ocean to kill them all. They realize they're dropping fast in altitude. They're being shot at. 
by the stormtroopers. They're trapped. They are they are pinned down. And Mando comes in with the clutch play. He says, cover me. And he runs forward. And he's getting shot, you know, like crazy. And and here I, I got a question for you. Why didn't any of the stormtrooper shots kill Din Djarin? I got one word for you. No, don't even. I'll, I'll tell you the answer. Because he has plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Baskar, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because of his Beskar, and it's just bouncing off and tinging, and it was yeah, that was sick too. That was just you know it, it looked just, great. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just visually, it just shows you how strong Beskar is. They're not even leaving because I mean, mark. when you're playing Battlefront two, you never want to get in front of the, the guy with the minigun, the right. gun. Yeah, know? right. You're done in seconds. Right. <laughs> so it tells you how strong Beskar is. Right. So they <laughs> so they plow through those stormtroopers and they get into the uh, into the cockpit, and Bo-Katan just throws up that imperial against the wall she really wants that saber she knows uh, that he knows whether or not moff gideon has it so she asks him you know where is it does he have it and he says you know if you're asking the question you already know the answer Oof. right which is yep. just lovely and then we get some nazi stuff we get some nazi stuff where the officer bites down like on his tooth or on a pill or something and he is electrocuted to death. It's like some uh, space cyanide, we'll call it. Yep. And our heroes pull the freighter up before it hits the ground. You know, day is saved, weapons are secured. And she asks Din Djarin one more time, you know, do you want to come along with us? And he's like, no, I have, a, I, have, I have my quest. But where can I find the Jedi? And she takes off her helmet. And she This says, was the moment. This and, was the moment. And she says, you know, you must go to the city of Kaladin... On the pl- on the forest planet of Corvus, and by the way, Corvus was the name of the ship in Battlefront Two. Uh, on the planet, I don't think there's any association. But on the go to the planet of Corvus, there you will find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo Katan, and then she hits him with a friendly. This is the way, and oh my God, we are finally there. We are gonna see. It's a- happening! A- it's <laughs> happening! Oh God! It's <laughs> happening! We're gonna see Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> In live action. And again, for those of you bums who haven't seen The Clone Wars or uh, Star Wars Rebels, uh, go watch them because this isn't going to matter to you if you don't. Honestly, like at this point, right? Uh, at the time of recording, we've only got a couple of hours until, uh, what is it? Uh, what are we on? Chapter 4. The next episode is Chapter 12. Yeah. Um, yep. So you got a couple of hours if you're listening You know, after this is being posted. Just go watch Season 7 Just... of Clone Wars. Exactly. Watch season. Watch the last four parts of Clone Wars. Get familiar. You can get familiarized with a lot of these plots that we're talking about just by watching that finale bit. And uh, get hype, because she's coming, and she's uh, she's not going to pull any punches. She's a bad lady. Um, she's no Jedi either, by the way. Um, right. If you don't know what I mean, you gotta <laughs> watch the show, <laughs> dude. When I saw her. In what was it, 2008, when the Clone Wars movie came out, I was so yeah. unimpressed. I was like, "Really, Anakin Skywalker is gonna have a Padawan?" Like, sure, okay, George Lucas. But you know, 12 years later, I think she is either tied for or is my favorite character in Star Wars. The only person that she would be tied with, of course, say it with me, is Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> say know, it with me. <laughs> you know. Uh, we know. We know. <laughs> you know. 
And she is now the most well-rounded character in all of Star Wars. And I'm so excited to see her in live action. So that brings me to my next question. Will we see Ahsoka Tano in the next episode? So I don't think so. Uh, that's that's my vote. What is your vote before you get into why? I'm going to lean towards no, but if we do, it'll be like a Luke Skywalker uh, Force Awakens bit at the last portion of the episode. That's very likely. That's very likely. And we saw, what is it, Carl Weathers? He tweeted out that like, oh, you guys aren't ready for Chapter 12. Uh, that I believe he directed, uh, by the way. Right, he did uh, direct it. He's, he'll, be back, he'll be back in the director's chair for this one. Uh, and from what I've seen, this episode is going to bring back Cara Dune and Grief Karga uh, for another adventure. Um, I wonder... And we're ready for that. I'm ready we're for it. Ready. I'm ready for it, but I wonder if it's going to be a filler episode. I wonder. <sighs> Bringing I hope them back has to serve a purpose, right? Like, uh... and, and to be fair, though, to be fair, you know, the makers of The Mandalorian were able to bring in Bo-Katan and not make it feel like a celebrity cameo. You know, yeah, it, the, it, they the, made it the work. Meme there, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, it's like, oh, pardon par, par, par me, the audience starts cheering. Oh, hey guys, you know, <laughs> uh, they were able to bring her in without, and it was making, that, but it worked. Right? It, it totally was that, but it served the story. They built the story around it. It wasn't just, oh, exactly. hey, here's here's a fan favorite, and hopefully they'll bring back Grief Karga and Cara Dune in a way that doesn't feel fan servicey or you know or like, weak. And, and I'm back, right? And I'm confident yeah. it won't be like that because the show is different. I'd like to think. I'd like to hope. Uh, so do you, do you think we're going to see Sabine Wren in future episodes? Because I know we thought that Sasha Banks would have been playing Sabine and it wasn't. So do you think we'll be seeing her? So it's hard to say, right? Because I actually just retweeted this on our Jedi Jargon Twitter. Uh, follow that if you haven't already, uh, at Jedi Jargon Pod. Uh, but I just retweeted on there that some person, uh, they tweeted out a few pictures of Ezra and it's been over 900 days and we still don't know what happened to Ezra. So I'm kind of thinking that Dave Filoni, if they give him a little bit more, they maybe give him his own show with Ahsoka and his Rebels characters, that stuff is explored there in a separate show. There's tons of rumors and swirlings that Ahsoka might get her own series. So yeah, uh, it's definitely possible that we could be introduced to Sabine maybe in this season or next season, but it's also possible that they could just get their own show. Uh, so that's that's my idea. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't hate that. I Listen, I would love for, uh, you know, to see Bo-Katan and to see Ahsoka and to see Boba Fett and all these characters we've been, we've been introduced to again and hinted at uh, in this season for a substantial portion of time. I'd really love to see them on screen, you know, get a lot of action with them. But at the same time, I understand that we only have four episodes left in this year's season. Uh, and I don't want it to become the Ahsoka show. Right, I, I don't like want it. Rebels and Clone Wars, yeah. Right, it's like, I don't want a live-action Wikipedia page, you know? I mean, as great as that would be, we don't we don't got time for that. No, we don't, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it, it looks like everything's going to have to be understated. Uh, and that's okay. Yep. That's fine. I know that, you know, Season 3 is already in production. Uh, I know that we are going to be, you know, getting more Mandalorian to come. So we... we uh, Lest we not be greedy now. Right. 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 So I think that's going to do it. I know we're going to be getting another episode uh, in about five hours at the time of recording. 
I'll probably be I'll probably be up because uh, my sleep schedule is shot. I went to bed at four. I went to bed at four thirty this morning, and I woke up. Oh boy! Woke up kind of late. Yeah, this is what happens when you're an unemployed college graduate trying to <laughs> get your life together. Uh, unemployed, you're a Jedi master. What are you talking about? Man? Oh, true. That's that's it's a vocation, not a job. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Doesn't pay the bills. But you don't get taxed. Yeah, it's but nice. listen, unfortunately, uh, in this realm, imperial credits will not do. True. Or pardon me, republic credits. That's true. Yeah. Unfortunate. Unfortunately. But let's uh, let's run it back tomorrow. Let's um, we'll watch chapter what is it? Chapter thirteen. Or chapter twelve. Chapter twelve. We'll watch chapter twelve, then we'll uh, run it back again. See you in a bit, folks. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Follow us on social media at Jedi Jargon Pod. We're now on TikTok at uh, Jedi Jargon Pod as well. I know Jeff will be uh, doing a great job posting the talks for y'all. And uh, remember, the pod will be with you always. Always.